0: three-part hormonal series. We're chatting with Belinda Kirkpatrick, a Sydney-based naturopath and nutritionist specialising in natural fertility and women's health.
1: Author of Healthy Hormones, a recipe book designed to use food as medicine when it comes to balancing hormones, along with practical tips and lifestyle tricks. Founder of The Seed Concept, A hormonal
0: tracking app that also gives you personalised health tips like what to eat and what fitness to follow, along with practical lifestyle advice to help you stay balanced and feel good in all stages of your cycle.
1: Here she is.
0: can you explain uh, hormones quickly what are the main ones and how do they work
2: yeah so I guess if you're looking at the reproductive hormones you are remembering that we've got over like we've got hundreds of hormones in our body so um, I guess for the purposes of our chat today we're talking about things like estrogen and progesterone uh, maybe even testosterone so the two major women's hormones that people kind of think about when they're thinking about women's health and reproductive health would be estrogen and progesterone so we need to have a really healthy balance of both of these hormones estrogen helps to um, promote ovulation um, it makes us feel good so that kind of time in the middle of your cycle where you're kind of coming up to ovulation you'll often feel energized your libido might be a little bit better you're feeling a little bit more confident you want to go out and do things um, estrogen helps to increase serotonin which is one of your happy hormones so estrogen is your friend and speaking to any kind of postmenopausal woman um, who Um, is experiencing low estrogen, which is what happens on the other side of menopause, they'll tell you that no estrogen, estrogen is a good thing. Estrogen, poor estrogen gets a little bit of a bad rap in our, um, you know, sort of in our earlier years, um, because too much estrogen can absolutely become problematic. Um, So we want estrogen to be a really nice, healthy balance with progesterone. So it's estrogen that's dominant in the first half of the cycle, and then progesterone in the second. So after ovulations occurred, we release more progesterone, and it's progesterone that makes us feel more relaxed, more calm, less anxious, it's good for sleep but conversely not enough progesterones going to potentially um, trigger a lot of those premenstrual symptoms that you might be having so anxiety, irritability, um, fatigue um, and all those sort of bits and pieces so they're probably the two I guess main hormones that we'd sort of be looking at I mean um, it's important to remember too that like women also have male hormones so to speak and men have female hormones um, just in different proportions so things like testosterone is also really important for mood for energy for libido for um, metabolism um, excess testosterone like you might see in people with polycystic ovarian syndrome can cause acne excess hair growth irregular or absent cycles. So the thing with all these hormones is they all have really fantastic, great, life-giving, happy days properties, um, but in excess or not enough of can start to really throw us out and cause imbalances. Mm -hmm.
1: And so what are some common signs of imbalance?
2: Yeah, so it might be things like um, irregular periods, absent periods, really long cycles or short cycles. Those ones are kind of not obvious, but probably more obvious because they're actually related into menstruation. It might be period pain, really light cycles. That's a problem as well. Light like menstrual bleeds, really heavy periods, lots of flooding, lots of clotting, and um, period pain I think I mentioned um, and then also things like mood energy skin weight sleep hair quality so it's like everything. yeah like like literally everything <laughs> um, and I think a lot of us only start really thinking about hormones um, when something changes with our periods or we're having problems with our periods usually even if we're having problems if they're the same problems that we've been having for a long time, That's fine, so to speak. Mm -hmm. It's not really, but we don't think of that. It's when things change that we start to go, oh, hang on a second. Why is my period now so much lighter, not coming for six weeks, only coming every or already coming every three weeks or whatever it is, and or we're trying to have a baby. All of a sudden we start like understanding or wanting to understand like ovulation. Do I even ovulate? When do Mm -hmm. I ovulate? How do I know if I'm ovulating? (laughs) Um, So these are all the questions that just don't seem to come up for a lot of us until something happens um and you know probably would be good to have been taught that at some point along Mm. the way I have this conversation with clients all the time though and it's a really hard one because people say when do you think that should be taught I'm like I don't know like yes in high school it would have been good to learn about cervical mucus and when you're ovulating and when you're fertile and things but I don't know if at 15 14 I was really wanting to hear all of that, you it's know, a lot of info. it's a lot of information. It's a lot to take in. Yeah. I'm not saying it's not the right time. I'm not the expert in education, but it's, it, yeah, it's, it's almost like at some point we should just all been given this course or this book Seriously. or something that, yeah. yeah. And sometimes the sad thing is when you do
1: start caring about your hormones, often it's a little bit too late.
2: Mm, absolutely. Particularly
1: around like if you're wanting to have a child. It can be, and yeah. And then, the, then the struggle is even harder.
2: Yeah. And if you don't have your hormones in check pre-menopause, that can cause more problems post-menopause. But I'm really hoping that like people like you guys, conversations like this, you know, hormones aren't a dirty word anymore. Um, it's like gut health, you know, what I mean, like, who was talking about gut health and poo five, ten years ago like nobody, right? Yeah. So hormones are now experiencing their little bit of time in the sun. You know, we're we're like we're like celery and cauliflower, you know, just hanging out there for ages and all of a sudden <laughs> all of a sudden we're the number one, you know, they're there the number one vegetables to like have um yay if you're a celery farmer right now right you just be like I mean presumably if you can get some rain but if you had rain and you're a celery farmer happy days um so I think hormones are a bit like that so I'm hoping that women like us who do take an interest and understand that your hormones are really a barometer of your your health um will then be able to pass that information on to our our daughters and I think that's probably where the information will be best given because that mother or, you know, auntie or whoever is this, sort of like a carer can then, pre, you know, sort of like give that information when it's relevant yeah. rather than like in a class of 30 kids at 13 or, you know, I'm not saying it shouldn't be in schools, but but I'm hoping that this next generation will have us um, to be able to pass on our, our knowledge and experience. Yeah. Instead of it being just like a taboo topic that you didn't really talk about. Especially, yeah, when they're ready mm. and, and you know as mums to pass
0: it down or parents to pass it down, you know when they're ready or when yeah. they're listening or when they're going to absorb it.
2: Exactly, and when they're interested. Yeah,
0: know. yeah. Um, you spoke about celery. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to food and hormones. Yes. How can we use food to balance our hormones? Mm, yeah.
2: You probably heard that kind of saying like, you know, food can harm or food can heal. You know, like it's it's either like your your best friend or your worst enemy. So absolutely, um, women who take out, for example, all the good stuff, alcohol, sugar, gluten, dairy, and start eating more vegetables and whole foods will nearly always notice a substantial improvement in their next cycle in some way. So whether it's pain, whether it's regularity, whether it's mood, whether it's flow, I see it day in, day out. If that's all that they did. So I'm not saying that you never have those things, but there's absolutely a big, um, I guess that food plays a really, really big role. Um, And it can either be that that food is pro-inflammatory. So things like, you know, sugar and dairy and processed foods and nutrient poor foods, or it can really help to kind of like support our hormonal health and things like, you know, protein. My sort of, I guess, basis of how I sort of like prescribe food in, in my book healthy hormones and in my clients is always look for a source of protein some good fats and something fresh if you can be getting four or five cups of vegetables most days and then you're having protein and some good fats with each meal and most snacks there's not that much time left for sugar and empty carby things and that way then you can have a treat sometimes it's not just about what not to have it's you're trying to kind of like focus on what to have um, so many people not only might have say food intolerance or eating really nutrient poor food, um, and you know, like in your car, like if you put in diluted petrol, in you know, the car's not going to go that well. Yeah. Like that's just science, right? Or science, mm. I don't know. It's a fact. <laughs> um, and it's <laughs> luckily the human body is so much more highly evolved that we we kind of can keep going with with crap petrol in our car. Um, but things aren't going to kind of go as we're not we're not going to kind of run as smoothly, you know. And people do look after their houses and their cars better than themselves sometimes, um, you know, and look, there's all sorts of kind of reasons for that, which is fine, um, but food can be a really big one, and nutritional deficiencies, which are really common, um, in in today's. World, I was going to say today's society that sounded so like, oh, I was like, I sound like I was 100 these days. Um, but in in this of like in the modern world, you know, our food, even when you're getting fresh food, is it might have been in cold storage in the supermarket for six months, or it's like you know, from nutrient poor soil. Um, like Australia, for example, is really low in iodine and selenium in the soil, um, and those are really important for hormonal health and thyroid health and um, as antioxidants, um, you know, so it's. When we're eating nutrient-poor food, like processed foods and takeaway and pizza and chips and whatever, you know, we're not getting nutrients and we're becoming more nutrient deficient. And our body needs these nutrients in order to make our hormones. Otherwise, we just don't have the ingredients to make hormones. It's like saying, can you make me a frittata? And you're like, yeah, sure. And I'm like, just don't have any eggs or veggies. You're like, okay, like, you know. Can, but can't, yeah.
1: On a little side note,
2: note, my, like, probably about 10 years ago, that little analogy for me was, like, saying, like, you know, like, it's like me asking you to make a cake and you're like, sure. And I'm like, but I don't have any eggs. And it was like, whoa, well, how would I do that? But, like, now I had to change it to frittata because, like, you can so make eggs without, like, cake without eggs. You make cake without... (laughs) cake like you can just make anything you can make cake from anything exactly but you can't make frittata without eggs
1: (laughs) (laughs) so how can we use food or what food can we you know eat to boost estrogen or Yeah.
2: Yeah. So estrogen um, is a really interesting one, and you know, lots of us um, have, as I said, excess estrogen, um, and what happens is that we can then cause um, progesterone to be too low. So estrogen and progesterone like to live on a bit of a seesaw. We want them to be kind of nicely balanced. Um, Things that cause high estrogen um, quite often are can be a bit of genetics, quite often lifestyle stuff. So we know that things like plastics and phthalates, and you know, perfumes and makeups and cleaning products and um, you know reheating rice in the microwave kind of containers and all that sort of stuff um, actually leaches these chemicals into our food and into our bodies and they behave like estrogen um, so what can happen is, is we can have excess estrogen which causes lots of problems conversely though and, and one of the best ways to get that out is by lots of fiber you know add a couple of tablespoons of linseeds to food every day um, try to get four to five cups of vegetables lots of the brassica family like broccoli cauliflower asparagus, fennel. Kale, spinach, leeks—actually, really good for that as well. Um, Turmeric that can really help. But low estrogen is also a problem, and we see low estrogen quite commonly in women who are underweight, women who have lost weight, women who are highly stressed, women who are over-exercising, and also particularly women who have past history of eating disorders. So they may even be um, healed and 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 move past that, but it can still be that sort of like I guess that um, the remains of that in their in their bodies. So um, low estrogen—we need to make sure that you're getting lots of good, healthy. food fats coming in. Um, And the most important thing, I guess, with low estrogen, um, particularly if you've lost your menstrual cycle, is that you need to not cut out carbohydrates. So for most of us having way too many carbs, all the carbs, we're needing to reduce them and bump up the other things. But in in that really low estrogen state, it's really important that you're getting good quality starchy carbs, um, which can then help to get your period back and or regulate it. Oh yes. What kind of carbs? Yeah. <laughs> so any any good quality carbohydrate. So things like whether it's banana, sweet potato, it might be some brown rice, it might be some quinoa, it might even be some oats, but you're needing to get not just vegetable-based carbohydrates most of the time. That's for people, I guess, with low estrogen who have lost their period and maybe have amenorrhea um, and, and are trying to get their periods back. Um, you know, one of the things we just don't want them to do is to just be having the protein, the fats, and the non-starchy vegetables. So, you know, things like keto are like a really great springboard to losing your period for many of pe- many people. Wow. So, you know, you've got to be really careful when you adopt these um, kind of diets that you're doing them um under the guidance of somebody and for a particular reason, like maybe you've got type 2 diabetes, maybe you're severely polycystic and have insulin regulation issues, Um, maybe you need to drop 40 kilograms to get knee surgery. Um, But for a lot of us, we probably don't need to be doing that kind of extreme eating. Um, Interestingly, there is very few, I want to say none, but I'm going to say very few to cover myself, (laughs) studies on women doing keto or anything like that, There's a doctor in the States called Dr. Sarah Gottfried who's an amazing hormone specialist and she um, is part of a study at the moment looking at keto in women um, and the effects of keto in women. So it'll be really interesting when that study comes out, which will probably be in a few years. But anyway, uh, we'll wait for that. So, yeah, just just be aware sometimes when you're doing things just for the sake of them or just for health, whether it's intermittent fasting or keto or whatever, most of those studies are done in men. So it right. may not be the best friend for your hormone. It might be. I don't know. Like it's, it's got to be looked at individually. Um, but I guess my biggest probably thing for um, – hormones is is kind of just coming back to just just being normal like just eat three meals a day you know I don't snack heaps drink heaps of water eat heaps of vegetables try to make it mostly non-processed food and just try to eat well like 80% of the time like 20% probably have a treat mm I like
1: that. Yeah. Yeah. So what about, you mentioned some foods before, some veggies. What are, are the, is there like a general top five hormone loving Yeah. Foods? Who doesn't love the top five?
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would say my top five. Okay, here we go. What am I going to choose? I would say potentially, um, look, I was going to say salmon, but like, you know, farmed salmon's got its own problems. Yes. But like wild caught salmon um, is amazing. Yeah. Um, Eggs, organic eggs are amazing. Uh, leafy greens, like fo- um, I was about to say like folate, that have folate, like spinach and broccoli, cauliflower are amazing. I'm going to put those together so that I, I'm up to three now. Um, <laughs> chia seeds and okay. Brazil nuts. I'm going to also lump those together because they're both in the nuts and seeds family. <laughs> Brazil nuts because they're a great source of selenium. Chia seeds, really high in fibre, good fats, protein, iron, antioxidants like everything chia is life um no they've just got lots of things in them um and and maybe asparagus because asparagus is really high in beetroot i mean beetroot in folate as well so i was just thinking of beetroot i was thinking of beetroot (laughs) and nitric oxide and i was like beetroot is good um yeah
1: interesting because i don't think anyone eats enough asparagus right
2: definitely not no No. i
1: ate asparagus
2: Maybe I always at a restaurant. get asparagus. Do you? Yeah, I like it. It's good. I get it I when know. it's on the special. I lie. I get it when it's on special. Mm. If you just like grill it on the barbecue really lightly, it's really good. I was going to ask how yeah, you how, yeah, how you cook it. I just put a little bit of olive oil, a little bit of salt and pepper, and I just like put it on the barbecue like wow. for a short amount of time and it's like really good like that. Yeah. Okay. Mm. But yeah, not, not not super big on it it's steamed. Like it's okay. Yeah. Or if it was lightly blanched and then a salad, I'd really like that yeah. as well. It does be- Mm. yeah and the thing too like when you say you haven't bought it for a long time is diversity like diversity 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 you know yeah. like it's so important um you know with people with communities with food is everything we want diversity so the the bigger range of of different um vegetables and foods that you can be eating you get a bit a better range of gut bacteria it's really important diversity is the biggest sort of like indicator of what your gut bacteria will be like which is really important um you know so what i often suggest to people is say your vegetables your normal vegetables are, let's just say they're everybody's you know carrot beans broccoli sweet potato yeah, let's just say those are your main ones um, that you get every single week. Then every week just add one extra onto that. So it might be this week is asparagus, next week might be cabbage, the next week might be cauliflower, the next week might be celery, the next so that way then you're like you're not having to use all the different things all the time unless you start to love them. You can still have your basics that you're really familiar with, you know how they work, you know, you can make them right every time. But just try to sort of challenge yourself with at least one new vegetable. Each week, and it can be a different one. And if you love it, obviously it can go back into the normal rotation. Mm. Um, and if you're like, yeah, I don't know, I didn't really even know how to cook that, but mm, I had it, um, then you just get a you get a big tick. Yeah, a plus for trying. Mm. Yes. Um,
0: <laughs> is there? A connection between gut and hormones.
2: Yes. <laughs> so we know so much more about our gut bacteria now, which is like super exciting. So we know that there's a part of our microbiome. So our microbiome is all the bacteria and all bits and pieces that live in our in our gut. Um, there's a part of that called the estrobilome, which is um, which actually helps to produce and regulate estrogen. Our gut bacteria can produce um, testosterone. They can produce progesterone, they can produce estrogen, they can produce serotonin. 90% of your serotonin, which is like your happy, feel-good neurotransmitter, is, is produced in the gut. Only 10% in the brain, 90% in the gut. You know, so coming back to things like depression and anxiety and things like that, like you've got to be working on your gut health at the same time as, as, as you know, obviously looking after your, your sort of mental health at the same time. So when we've got a good balance of our gut bacteria, our gut actually produces healthy amounts of hormones and helps to regulate the amount of, and also helps to regulate the amount of hormones in our body. So getting rid of ones that we don't need, producing more of what we do, you know, it's got that real, regulatory role. So if we don't have healthy gut bacteria, we pretty much can't have healthy hormones. Mm -hmm. And one of the interesting things is um, in in menopause, our gut bacteria actually produces one of the really, really mild estrogens that's the most dominant estrogen in menopause. So even when your ovaries have like packed up shop, if you've got healthy gut bacteria, it can actually produce enough estrogen for you to be reasonably symptom-free or low symptoms. Um, And they're, they're those women that are kind of like, you know, like just, I don't know, menopause just kind of came and went um and then you've got people with like all the feels you know it'll be interesting at some point to get some good research on it but you know are those people that just cruise through do they have really healthy amounts of these particular types of gut bacteria that help to produce their own estrogen so it's so important and if you're not having regular bowel movements if you're not having you know healthy bowel movements that's a problem particularly with estrogen and often with estrogen excess that we kind of tipped on before and we talked a little bit more about the environmental impacts of that and plastics and perfumes and things and how that can increase estrogen levels if we don't have healthy gut bacteria and not enough fiber in our diet then we can't actually get rid of excess estrogen out of our system as well and we'll end up with too much. So adding just a couple of tablespoons of ground linseeds to food daily has actually been shown to help with estrogen um, detoxification and help to get it out of our system.
0: Wow. That's really crazy. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So, okay, so flax, Do you say flax? Yeah, flaxseed, lin linseeds, is lin the same seed. thing. Same thing. Yeah. same thing, yeah.
2: So what about seed cycling? What yeah. are your thoughts on yeah. that? It's all the rage. Um, look, seed cycling I think is fantastic. Um, you know, so basically what it does is it works on the the sort of principle of having, you know, different seeds at the beginning, um, the beginning of the cycle, the follicular phase and other seeds for the second half of the cycle or the luteal phase. So some to support estrogen production and then some to support progesterone production. Now – Look lots of people do it and love it and think that it's fantastic and i'm all for that anything that works that's that's nice and natural and food based is fantastic i think personally a lot of it is about um getting more fiber getting better estrogen detoxification um you know as well as getting trace nutrients and minerals so things like vitamin e and zinc and extra protein and good fats coming from those seeds so if you don't have like for me if you don't have like the perfect seeds for each part of the cycle don't worry about it just use seeds just Use fresh ground seeds. Um, also to keep your seeds in the fridge because um, they're oils and they're fats and they're very um, unstable. They're almost like, like omega-3s. Um, they need to be in like a cool, dark, dry place. Um, so, yeah, in a, in a container in the fridge is the place to be. Obviously they didn't probably come from the fridge but at least then you're storing them in a better way. If they taste bitter, get rid of them. Um, but, you know, so I think, I think it can be great and I think a lot of it um, – goes down to something that I really value, which is focusing on what to do rather than what not to do. So people feel really empowered when they're like, okay, I've got to have my seeds, I've got to get my two tablespoons of seeds, um, which I think is really good. Um, But if it ended up that you didn't have the right seeds at the right time, personally, I don't know whether that's going to be a problem, Um, you know, because just having, say, for example, like a little bit more zinc in pumpkin seeds, in that part isn't going to suddenly make progesterone. It'll be your overall zinc levels that will be changing the longer that you're having the seeds in general. That's just my thought on it. Look, maybe there's some research out there that says that the type of seed each time is super important, Um, but I think as long as they're fresh seeds that aren't rancid um, and you're having seeds, I think that's good.
0: Is there specific nutrition or foods that we should be having for different times in our cycle
2: yeah so look you know again like I don't want to overcomplicate things you know if, if all you kind of like take away from this is hmm maybe I should be having more vegetables and more fresh whole foods and you know maybe some more water then absolutely do that and you're probably like of the way there Mm -hmm. for other people that you know um want to be a little bit more focused on things we'll go through some different times of the cycle and the reason I say that is that I feel like there's so much of this kind of like wellness push out there which is fantastic and awesome but I'm also seeing the repercussions of that in clinic every day where people are stressed about food where people are anxious about food you know I'm seeing this this kind of like what they call now orthorexia which is kind of like this healthy eating disorder you know more and more so you know young girls particularly in their 20s, you know, that don't want to eat out, that, like, can't have this, can't have that, I can only have healthy stuff, like, that wasn't organic or whatever, I'm like, whoa, can you just, like, please go and have a pizza and a glass of Prosecco, like, seriously. (laughs) Um, We can. yay, yeah. (laughs) you say so. But just for the balance, do you know what I mean? Like, and I'm not saying to go and do that all the time, but it is also not healthy to be so over-focused on food and we've got to look at, like, how much – how much stress that's causing our body, how much cortisol that's kind of raising mm. to be so guilty and stressed and worried about food all the time. That like, mm. well, what's worse? Do you know what I mean? Like a – you know a couple of squares of chocolate or all that stress you know probably the stress is worse you know stress counts for 95 sorry 75 to 90 percent of all doctors visits in Australia and America Um, it's the biggest like cause of kind of like contributing factor to like chronic disease so you know I'm just really careful about sort of and that's why even with the seeds like exactly what to do and when to do and all this kind of stuff because it's I think it's there's there's a lot of people who need at least some of that information and, and could do with the change. And there's a lot of people, like probably the people listening, that are like, wow, they could just be like, Okay, I've got to be doing this, Fine, like yeah, otherwise yeah. I'm I'm stressed. You know. Yeah. But it but for for the rest of us who are just taking it lightly, um, Around your periods, a really good time to have um, warm cooked foods that are really easy to digest, um, but nice and anti-inflammatory. So things like soups and stews and casseroles, are really gentle around about that time. Um, making sure that you do have some good sources of iron. So whether it's red meat, whether it's lentils or spinach, um, asparagus is actually really good with iron as well. Mm. So you can you can get into your asparagus there. <laughs> um, and then sort of as you're coming up to ovulation, when we're sort of supporting estrogen production, you want to get lots of healthy fats coming in. So you know avocado. Coconut oil, olive oil, nuts and seeds are really good to have there as well. Um, and then in that sort of that second half of our cycle, you know, stress reduction is probably the biggest thing to be honest. Um, but having foods that are, if you're getting any bloating, again, easy to digest, well cooked, lots of. Um, Uh, vegetables particularly at around about around that time um so you're getting that anti-inflammatory effect and and oily fish can be great too so anything that has omega-3 so like your oily fish sardines mackerel salmon um things like walnuts chia seeds again kind of like come in all-star chia seeds um (laughs) some people hate chia seeds i don't get it um there's nothing do you yeah you don't pudding. love it? No. Oh yeah, no. A lot of people don't. The texture, you don't know, like yeah, the texture. The pudding
1: thing is. Weird oh, you like to the me. pudding?
2: Yeah. Mm. Maybe you haven't no, had a good I've tried. one. Yeah. Porridge.
1: You make them raw though. Like if I yeah. sprinkle them.
2: Yeah. You only make them raw. Oh, but
1: what?
0: You that? don't.
2: You don't have to soak them. Yeah. I don't like oh, those yeah no. oh yeah. No. Oh yeah. So sorry. Yeah. They're not. They're not raw. But they're. Yeah. Yeah. No. You can just throw them into the smoothie. Mm. Yeah. You don't have to soak them at all. Like I would throw them into the smoothies okay. for myself and my kids every day, and they're yeah. not. They're not soaked. I don't soak. I mean, I not only. I not even really soak them, I guess. Like they would be soaked for a chi- – like yeah. to create a chia pudding um, and or a chia porridge, but they're the only things that I'd have them sort of soaked outside yeah, the body on. Funny, funny texture. Yeah. But maybe it wasn't tasty enough. Maybe. Yeah, maybe like a crappy like. Well, they don't really taste, but it's what you put with, with them. Do you them. mean yeah, so exactly. if you blend it up, say some strawberries and some coconut milk and a bit of cinnamon and vanilla? Okay. Do
1: yeah. you yeah, know what I mean? Add a little bit of a topping,
2: bit of cacao nibs on top yeah, or yeah. something, or you do like coconut milk with a bit of raw cacao and say frozen raspberries in there. It's like a yeah. little cherry ripe type mm. of thing. Yeah. So go. maybe it's just the taste. Yeah. I'm gonna give you a recipe. So okay, see what? See what happens. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, okay. So let's talk about how tracking you've got an app yes so how does tracking your cycle and your hormones benefit us like yeah. not only does it help you figure out what's happening to your body physically but it can help you with men what's going on mentally too, yeah hey. for sure
2: yeah and so the reason i created the app which is called seed um it's only for iphone sorry android people yeah. um i'm not that rich um <laughs> is is that you know i'd had been using these period trackers which are really useful you know when i had sore breasts when i had a headache when i was a cow you know when my period came all this sort of stuff and I thought women are collecting all this data but like so what you know like unless you've got a naturopath or somebody that you're taking to interpret that data then like what do you care if you had a headache on that day yeah. or whatever? Like you're like, oh, I get a headache every ovulation. Oh, well, and what, yeah. what are you going to do with it? So when I created seed, the whole point of that was that um, basically when you put in any of those symptoms, it spits out a little tip that you can do. So it might be, um, you know, you've got bloating or fluid retention. It might be drink two cups of nettle tea, um, you know, have a shot of chlorophyll or do they eat these foods or whatever it is. So it helps you actually understand what to do, which is important. Um, but you can also just, just tracking helps you to understand, I think, when things are happening in your cycle so if you want them to change you probably need to take that information to a practitioner to help you to sort of decipher it but for example like with mood if you start to feel a little bit edgy a little bit irritable a little bit anxious and you think and you've got that tracker there you can just flick open to your tracker and you're like my period's coming in three days and and for a lot of us are just that having that space around it you still feel a little bit like that but it doesn't it's not as it's not as consuming if that yeah. makes sense you know whereas if you felt like that and it was like day 10 you might be like oh why I wonder why i'm feeling like this is something happening at work or am i unhappy about something you can sort of like I don't know, I guess like take it a bit more seriously in yourself. Um, So I think knowing what's happening when gives you a bit of space around it. But it also really helps us with those other symptoms. So at the beginning when we talked about what are some signs of hormonal imbalance and we were like, oh, gosh, it was everything. You know, it's interesting to note like, oh, I actually do get a a headache every mid-cycle or, you know, this happens at different times. Because I think a lot of people, unless it happens like four days before their period, they don't see it as hormonal. You know, I'm like, is that, like, hormonal? Do you think the headache's like, no, 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 it's never with my period. I'm like, what about mid-cycle? Like, oh, maybe, I don't know. Like, but you don't think that because there's no clear indicator of ovulation or mid-cycle or something. So you don't – you think, no, my skin just breaks out all the time because, like, you know, but it might be that it actually breaks out at ovulation and just before your period but you you don't think it's hormonal because it's not just before your yeah. period mm. so once you get a couple of months and you're like okay i've there's only put that in every day 15 mm. and every day 27 for the last three months you're like okay hang on a second like there's a bit of a pattern yeah. um so i think that as a as a, as a hormone nerd i find that exciting and interesting yeah. <laughs> but it is good because people often to you know come when they're trying to have a baby or something like that um and then if we had have had some of that data it would have been interesting and even people saying like i'm like do you have a regular cycle yep and like 28 days like yep yep i'm like okay cool and then i'm like could you just like give me the date like just start telling me the dates of the next day one like the first day of your period for the next year you know, just just write them down for me and, you know, after like three or four months or they give me, oh, no, it was my brother's birthday, da-da-da, like they give me a couple of back dates. I'm like, like you have like a 26-day cycle, then you had a 36-day cycle, then you had a 29-day cycle, you had a 21. But for them it just came every month. Yes. They didn't like skip a month, mm-hmm. so to speak. Um, so it felt kind of like monthly. But when they started looking at it, and often it's when they want to try to have a baby because they're trying to work out when they're ovulating, I'm like, oh, like you don't have a regular cycle, which is fine, but it makes it a little bit harder to know.
1: When you're
2: ovulating. When you're ovulating. Yeah. So it, so it is helpful to even if all you're doing, if you think you've got a pretty symptom-free period, just just write, just put a little star in your diary or just even you don't have to even use a tracker, just put it in your calendar, um, you know, put a little P on the thing. And that way then if you need to go back and have a look, you know, obviously if you do four or five months and they're always 28 days, you can pretty much be, you can stop <laughs> um, <laughs> unless something changes. But otherwise, if, you, if you're if you sort of like, I'm not really sure, it, it is worth looking at. Yeah,
0: definitely. Yeah. It's, funny everyone thinks that they're normal, but, but you're right. Coming monthly is not what we're tracking. We're tracking 28-day cycles.
2: Well, sort of. So so normal's actually like 20, 25, 26 to about 31 to 33 oh, days. Right. So don't worry if you don't have a perfect 28, 29-day cycle. Um, 29 days is actually like the perfect one. But um, it, it doesn't matter. If you've got a 31-day cycle that's pretty symptom-free, that comes every month, no big drama, don't worry about changing it. You're all good. You know, and the same if it's 27. You know, But, like, you know, it's a normal bleed, it's not painful, no issues. You don't, you don't need it to be on that perfect number. So there is – we've all got this individual – Kind of normal, normal, if that makes sense, yeah. It's like the food stuff. It's kind of like this is just like what it should look like but you can have your normal in that as well. Yeah, don't get too hung up exactly. on it. Yes, don't compare notes too much. Like compare notes for interest sake with your friends and things but it's not they might have a 27 and you might have a 32 but, you know, no issue. And you might have a friend that has a 29-day cycle but has period pain and breakouts and heavy periods and all this kind of stuff. And it's like actually the outliers who are pretty symptom-free, they probably have the better hormonal balance Mm. um, potentially even than the other person with a better cycle length. So we've got to look at the whole picture.
1: Yeah. And, again, it's just going back to making this a regular conversation because you're going to educate yourself. Yes,
2: yes. Yep. Some people think that having just two little panty liners – is enough and that's a period and it's like mm, your estrogen's probably quite low and and conversely other people think that seven days of like flooding yeah. tampon pad don't leave the house on day one is normal as well and it's 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 and pain you know i think pain is yeah. normal it, it pain is common absolutely but it's not normal you should be able to have just like a oh my period's here okay you do whatever you need to do, doesn't really interfere with anything too much. You might be a bit, bit tired or a little bit whatever, that's kind of fine, but they're really minor symptoms that wouldn't interfere with your day or the way that you do things. Um, whereas, yeah, so so what what is common doesn't mean it's normal. Oh, yeah. You know, right. you, you can have a pain-free period. You can have a symptom-free period. You can have a period. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: so yeah, the I guess tracking your period can be a vital way of understanding what's happening and a handy tool for scheduling life. Yes, And yes. things that life throws at us. Yeah. Um, big work meetings or parties or our PT sessions um,
2: because our body reacts differently at different times of our cycle. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I don't know if you guys saw that research recently that came out. I think it was one of the US soccer teams. I'm going to get it wrong now. Let's just yeah. pretend it was one of the US soccer teams. Yes. But I'm pretty sure I'm right. Um, that actually was looking at like their training schedules and everything. Everything, like around their cycles obviously it's really hard to do and there's some more research coming out on that but you actually like there's different times of your cycle we're actually better off doing like hit training versus other types of training um, you know and obviously most coaches and and whatever aren't going to be able to just schedule all that around yeah. every, every person's individual cycle mm-hmm. um, but it is important to note that there are changes that are happening you know so coming up to ovulation you might be feeling better to do more hit more cardio you know before your period it might be better to do more um, like, you know, slow strength-based stuff, more yoga, more Pilates, those sorts of things. Um, so the more that you understand and then work with your period is probably better because if you keep going and doing your really strong hit classes just before your period and you wonder why you're like, I'm just so exhausted and wiped out with my period. It's like body doesn't really want you to do that at that time yeah. and then you're I'm wondering why you're tired because you pushed yourself too much. Um, saying that, if you feel fine, you're working out – no problems, just keep going. But if you're one of those people that's like, I'm so shattered when I that week before my period, like maybe change up your exercise yeah. in that time, or you know do a slow Listen walk or a body. swim. Listen to your body.
1: Yeah. So let's touch on here. It is <laughs> one of those cult. Yes, kind of exercises and fitness things where, like, once you start, you can't stop. In the yeah,
2: but how addictive? But how detrimental is it to our hormones? So, for some people, it is really detrimental, and for other people, it's the best thing ever. So, so for example, somebody with polycystic ovarian um, syndrome, which is that basically what that is, is it's a condition. doesn't really have it much at all to do with cysts on your ovaries. So if that's your only oh. way of being diagnosed, just go and talk to somebody else. Um, not like some, yeah, get another diagnosis. Um, but it, it more, it's more to do with an underlying insulin resistance, so blood sugar regulation issue, um, and elevated testosterone. So for these women, um, they do need. Hit training, sprint training, short burst interval training tends to be the best for their hormones. Mm-hmm. Um, for women who uh, potentially have a bit of a, and look, you don't know this is going to be you, right, but a bit of a genetic sort of like underlying pull to something called hypothalamic amenorrhea, which is basically when the hypothalamus in the brain just shuts down all of the hormone production and you don't get a period. That, which I'm seeing more and more and more of every single day, is absolutely a result of... Um, low or no carbohydrate diets, high intensity exercise training, um, stress, high cortisol, undereating, weight loss. Um, and it might even be that it's weight loss from stress. Like you might not even be doing those things, but any of those things can, can cause that. And it can be really hard to get your period back. It's not just as simple as gaining back the weight and changing up your exercise. Um, I often refer to amenorrhea or hypothalamic amenorrhea as, you know, this might sound well. this politically correctly, <laughs> um, but you know it's almost like you've had like a heap of cheating boyfriends, and the next boyfriend that you have hopefully you've gone away and done some work on yourself and you're not bringing baggage to the next relationship however you may have more trust issues he's got to work even harder to have your trust because you've you've been burnt before and it's a bit like that so so you losing your period from those exercises and and weight loss and things like that it's not just enough to eat normally and exercise normally you often have to regain the trust of your body it's more carbohydrates even less exercise it's more stress management techniques it's more sleep than kind of like somebody else um, so I guess how do I know how do you know if, if that's going to become a problem for you um, if you're doing high intensity exercise and lots of it um, and you're not having any carbohydrates at all you really need to watch your I mean I'm not saying it's not possible It it is possible some people can do that easily but if you start to notice that you're losing weight from that and body fat and you're getting quite slim. You're probably loving that, right? It's probably feeling amazing. Um, But that's probably, for a lot of people, the the first sort of like thing that could be then next lead to your period going missing. Now, some people will have a couple of light periods, which is a really nice warning light. The body's popping up a little warning light then going, "Um, we're dropping estrogen, like beep, 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 you know, like stop what you're doing, eat some carbs, get some sleep, do some yoga, go for a walk. Um, so some of us will get that in terms of those really light periods coming. If, you, if you're if you exercising like that and you're losing weight or you're having a low-carbohydrate diet um, and you get a couple of really light periods or the periods are different length to what they would normally be, you need to hold up there because, you know, this, this could be going to happen. Others will just kind of be – it's like falling off the cliff. You didn't really get a warning. Your period just didn't come. So it's really hard, right, because we don't want to say – you know, don't exercise, you know, we don't wanna say only eat carbohydrates. Like, you know, like it's it's like my hypothalamic amen clients that have the opposite advice to pretty much every other patient subgroup in my clinic. You know, everyone else I'm like, less carbs, guys. You know, like more exercise guys <laughs> And these people are like, less exercise, more carbs, you know, be lazy. Um, yeah. which is really which is really hard. So there isn't often warning signs. Um if you were concerned and you were following quite a low carb diet, you were quite stressed, you were doing lots of HIT classes, you could go and get your estrogen tested on day two or three of your menstrual cycle. Um, don't bother doing it on another day because it'll be different and it's not going to give you the right result. Um, and if that number's below 100, so it should be about 120 at that point, if that number's a little below 100, like hold up, sister, you know? Um, so that might be a, a way of, of doing it. I mean, it will change each month, so it's not the most reliable way to kind of test it. Um, but, yeah, and the other thing is going back to that balance thing that I was talking about before, Do you mean, like like our bodies aren't built for extreme stuff we want, they want to trust us, they want to know when we're going to bed, when our next meal's coming, you know we're not like doing high intensity exercise at sixty kilograms and intermittent fasting and doing low carb. It's like what's happening why Why are you doing this to us? you know. <laughs> If you're 100 kilograms, then, yeah, maybe those things are going to be really useful for you to bring your weight down, to balance your hormones and that sort of stuff. So, you know, I know that when we look at our own bodies, we can be really hypercritical. No, 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 but I am a bit fat or I am, you know, but so maybe ask somebody else like, you know, or be really honest with yourself and go, you know, am I – overweight or are I carrying too much body fat or or do I just want to be more toned and whatever. And, what if, and what that's a it? fine goal to have it is. But if your goal is really, do you know what, like you're fine. It's just when I'm naked that I feel a bit like soft here and there, you're probably just wanting to tone up. Mm-hmm. Then you know and you're and you're within the normal BMI and body weight. You just want to be a bit more toned or a bit less or whatever in that in that section of already being a healthy weight they're the people that you've just got to be a little bit careful of. Mm -hmm. So that's probably being really honest with yourself and going, um, you know – why am I doing this and could I just get similar and better and healthier results by doing, say, three classes of hit a week, you know, on those days, making sure that I do have a carbohydrate meal after exercise, generally having less carbohydrates but being a bit more free with myself on the weekend, making sure I'm having more vegetables and all that sort of stuff. You know, if I feel tired, switch it out for a long walk or a yoga class rather than six days of hit no carbs even when you've exercised, you know, and and your body weight's going down and down, but you're already in a healthy weight range, yeah. there's a good chance your period might go missing. I know it's hard to kind of say, but having amenorrhea, so
1: is that detrimental to like getting pregnant? I know that some people can get it back, but like how long should you leave it and what happens? Yeah,
2: yeah. So not ovulating is an issue, okay? So we need estrogen for healthy bones, for healthy mood, um, for libido, for all sorts of things, you know. So um, ovulation is a really, really, really important thing. Now, I guess the only sort of um, medical treatment if you've got hypothalamic amenorrhea like you mentioned um, would be to pop you on the pill to make you think you're having a period. It's not a period, it's just a withdrawal bleed, so you're not ovulating, but you're getting a steady amount of estrogen which will help your bone density over time. What it's not going to do though is fix your periods, regulate your periods, do any of those things. It's just going to give you a Band-Aid on it and then it's going to become somebody else's problem later. So next practitioner, five years' time when you want to come off and have a baby, you're probably going to be left with the same issue. So it can take anywhere from months or years to heal. Um, it depends a little bit on the extent of why it happened. Um for a lot of people who have come off the pill and then they're experiencing that you know they they may have had hypothalamic underneath there for long periods of time um, you know with not enough carbs too much exercise too much stress and their pituitary may have already been shut down for a really long time for other people you know if it was sort of like you know, over the course of four or six months, you had a breakup, you lost some weight, you started getting really into exercise. You know, it might be a bit sooner that it comes back because you hadn't been doing that behavior for as long. Um, if you'd been exercising like that for a year or two, really losing weight, doing the low carb thing, stress, you know, and you're going to be stressed, right? Because you're not eating carbs and you're like, you know, yeah. you're tired, you know, you're not sleeping as well and all those sorts of things. Um, then, then it possibly is going to take longer. So it's a little bit of like what's your genetics underneath right. and then what else you're kind of willing to do on top. When people want to have a baby, they're willing to do all the things. You know, yeah. so they pretty much will sort of almost stop exercising or just go for walks, trying to eat more freely. You know, if you're counting food or you're weighing food or you're putting it into my fitness pal and you're not overweight, then you need to stop because that also too is like a stress on the body um, and those people they they periods just don't come back until they stop doing those yeah. things um, but it, it's but it's black
1: and white really with the rules yeah it's just the head. things we don't want to hear yeah. basically it's yeah. all, and
2: it's the opposite rules to everybody else so it messes yeah. with our head mm-hmm. you know because it's 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 I'm being so healthy I'm doing all the right things like I don't want to go back to those those other things because I'm feeling really in control and mm-hmm. you know so a lot of the time we need to look at the emotional and psychological aspect of it as well um, so it's a really it can be a really complicated thing sometimes we treat it really quickly and there's some herbs and supplements and things like that that we can use that help really beautifully um, in some with some women quickly and some women um, a little bit more slowly but it's it's worth working on you know and it's it's a little sign that your body's saying to you like something's wrong. Do you know I mean like yeah. this is this, this something, I'm not happy, you know, yeah. like, and so it's just sort of, just earning the trust of your body back, um, which can sometimes take a while, but like hang in there. Cause it'll happen. <laughs> yeah, it'll happen. It really will happen, you know? And that's why you just gotta be careful. Obviously the later in life you're doing those yeah. things. Um, cause if that's happening, you're 27, you know, you, you've got a couple of years for it to come back. If that's how long it takes, you know, and then maybe you're ready to have a baby at whatever age, you know, um, if it happens at, you know, 36, 37, 38, might still going to take a couple of years, you know. And look, you know, there are, if in that case there are, um, thank goodness, medical treatments, yeah. things like, you know, IVF and ovulation induction and things that will work in a lot of those women, not all of those women, um, but in, in a lot. So, you know, don't don't be like super freaked out. There is things to, to help there. Mm. But if it's more just kind of, I guess, help getting your period back for just you, A lot of um, doctors will still say go on the pill. Um, The ones that are a little bit more forward-thinking will say, yeah, they're just basically kind of covering themselves and you're just going to become somebody else's problem later.
1: Scary. Mm. Yeah. good to know, though. So what about – on a different note, what about alcohol? So you mentioned before, obviously – that if everyone gives – if your clients are giving up alcohol and eating all their vegetables, yeah. like, obviously their hormones are going so to improve. Good. Yeah. What's, where's the line that yeah. we can draw, particularly in Australian culture?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, again, I mean, look, you know, I mean, look, alcohol is absolutely, like, the number one modifiable cancer risk that we have, right? So, I mean, like, we can't escape that. Every Every piece of research says that. So, you know, trying not to binge drink regularly – or binge drink at all, <laughs> is, is obviously a good idea. However, let's be realistic now, okay? So people are going to drink. So, you know, I think the thing is, is that um just being aware of, of how much you're drinking and what you're trying to work on. So if your periods and mood and energy and sleep and everything's kind of like fantastic, you know, I'm not saying go out and smash yourself, but like you can probably get away with a little bit more. You know, if you've had hormonal problems or you're polycystic or you've got endometriosis, you've got really painful periods, or you're trying to kind of get your period back with, with amenorrhea or something like that you're probably better off keeping alcohol to a minimum now for conception purposes I always say you know three to four drinks a week would be a maximum. Um, I tend to say that, and this is probably particularly Australian-based because if you're in Europe, you'd probably just say, just have one glass of wine with dinner a couple of nights a week and let that be that and probably be fine. We're not we're not so good at that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so I would generally say just try not to drink through the week and then lessen it a bit on the weekend. You know what I mean? And if you're somebody who goes out Friday, Saturday, Sunday night, you might be like, okay, like that's, that's like pretty much like miles not 50% of your life but you're like it's it's what like 30 40 let's not let's not show off our math I don't want to make anyone feel no, I don't make a, anyone feel bad oh good yeah great so <laughs> let's cool. just do three over seven yeah. <laughs> whatever that and is then, anyway yeah like 30 40 40 something like that um that's a long time so even though the work week feels long yes. you're drinking three days a week like there's only seven days in the week mm. so you're gonna be like okay hang on a second I'm binge drinking you know Three days a week. So, you know, I'd probably try to not drink through the weekend, try to not just drink at home if you if you don't need to. Um, yeah. You know, and then if you do go out, just make sure you're really well hydrated. If you go out, say, for like Friday afternoon drinks and, and you – of like quickly finishing everything up and you get there. My my theory is the speed of the first drink determines the night. Yeah, so if night. you're thirsty and you just quickly drink that first drink almost like it's a hydrating drink, oh, your history. Like that's it. Nights no, who knows what who knows? Who even knows what happened that <laughs> night. Um but if you can just make sure that before you leave work, you have a really big glass of water, maybe even when you get there, you have one more really big glass of water. You will drink that first drink so much more slowly. And and then you've got control over the night. So whether you want to have two drinks or one drink or five drinks, it, it happens in a much more um, Civilized conscious pace. Yes, and conscious state. Mm-hmm. So it's important. Yeah, it's, good. it's a good one to think of. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Interesting.
0: Um, what are your thoughts on magnesium and supplementation
2: to a diet? I love magnesium. Do um, Yeah. So look, magnesium. I think it's something like again. Let's not get stuck on the math. It's something like between like sixty to eighty percent of people are magnesium deficient. Now, there's all sorts of reasons for that. Um, whether it's low soil levels, low dietary intake. A lot of it is our high stress lifestyle. So we're basically chewing up magnesium. We're chewing through magnesium like at a rate of knots. Um, magnesium is one of those things that helps with energy, helps with sleep, helps with mood, um, helps with energy, Did I say energy? Yeah, I said energy, sorry. Um, helps with pain, helps with headaches, helps with bowels, helps with periods. Like, yeah, wow. everybody's BFF basically. Um, so magnesium can be really fantastic for regulating your cycles. I'm a big fan of of using it. Um, and, you know, I do think that, you know, if, if a certain proportion of my clients, let's just say that everybody who came went away and drank, enough water, which is 30 mils per kilogram of body weight. So if you weigh 70 kilos, that'd be 2.1 litres. That math I can do. (laughs) Um, So so say you go away, you drink two litres of water every day. I mean, obviously less if you're small, more if you're big. You eat four to five cups of vegetables every day. You get enough sleep and you take magnesium. You probably won't need to come back. (laughs) Obviously depending on what's going on with you. But if it's just general... Borderline, kind of like, I just don't feel great, mm. you know, like those sorts of things. I'm just getting headaches. I don't feel myself. I'm not sleeping well. My energy is terrible. Just go do that for a month. Um, and then, yeah, let us know if that actually fixed your issue. Because I would wow. say probably 50% of you, you'd be like, wow. Um, and the other people that didn't fix your issue, you're probably going to be feeling at least 50% better. Mm.
1: So, what? there's different types of magnesium right yeah, so what's yes. the type that we should be getting
2: yeah so so magnesium by glycinate is probably the best nicest easy on the tummy magnesium citrate's also um, a good one as well um, just be aware of if you're getting a supplement that has magnesium oxide magnesium oxide we don't use like normal magnesium it basically just draws water into the bowel right. so if you're a little bit constipated that one might be your friend but it's not really magnesium as in supplemental magnesium um so it is worth looking at the type of, of magnesium. Um, and a lot of them will be combined in powders and things with some, like, B vitamins, which are also kind of really useful for most of us as well because it's just, it's just trying to negate that busy, stressful lifestyle, right? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's that's what's kind of affecting so many of us is we're so busy, we're so – and when I say stressed, you don't have to be stressed out of your head. You can just be like, oh, my God, i am going to get to brunch. Oh, I didn't pick up Mum's birthday card. Like, oh, okay, we're meeting friends for dinner now. Oh, it's work tomorrow. Like, yeah. oh, I've got to do those emails. Yeah. You – might be happy about all those things you might be excited to go to work and you want to do those emails and you're excited to work on that proposal and it's mum's birthday and you're seeing your friends for brunch but it's stressful on your body so your body's producing so much adrenaline and cortisol and stress hormones that it doesn't get enough time to go into what we call the parasympathetic nervous system or the one that's rest and digest or, or the heal and restful state and that's where we're starting to get a lot of chronic health conditions, stress, you know mental health conditions, hormonal problems. Um, so it's really important that we actually manage stress because we just don't really have downtime anymore, right? Exactly right. right. No downtime feels like I'm just going to watch a show and flick on Instagram. Yeah. You're like, oh, that's not downtime for your body. Yes. That's just more and more and more messaging. Whereas when um, you guys, you young people, probably don't remember pre-mobile phones. Um, I'm like a hundred. Um, but when you when, when you'd meet a friend, you would say, I going to meet you on the step, on you know the pavilion at Bondi, say for example. And my time anxiety. 15 minutes early, at least. Everybody else's laissez-faire attitude to life, half an hour late, you know. So I would sit there and think, oh, should I go to the payphone and call their mum? No, they're probably on their way. And you just had to sit there and be mindful and be practice mindfulness. You didn't know you were doing it. You just people watched. You watched the seagulls eating some chips. You just like saw somebody running past in budgie smugglers and just having a little chuckle to yourself, not that we're people judging, but just about something else that you remembered. And, um, you know, so we had so much more mindfulness, whereas now we don't stop um, and then we wonder why we're kind of so stressed. But our stop stuff feels good, you know, so – checking my phone. Now, if I sat there, I would have like paid a bill, called my mum, texted a friend, responded to a client, booked someone in, tick, 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 feeling amazing, dopamine, dopamine, cortisol, cortisol, cortisol. But they're like drugs that we're addicted to and they really negatively affect our health, our stress and our hormones as well. So it's that taking time out, deep breathing, time without your phone I'm feeling very hypocritical right now <laughs> okay. I'm gonna run with it no. Yeah, <laughs> literally
1: doing nothing
2: yeah well yeah just yeah doing kicking it old school yeah. you know go to a cafe with your friend don't take your phone you know like oh I know <laughs> oh, let's scary. do as I say do as <laughs> look, I say not as I do look <laughs> each other in the eye <laughs> yeah but you know like it's it's and it actually feels really uncomfortable to i like now if I watch a show which is not that often but like I try to put my phone in the kitchen and like I'm uncomfortable. Like I'm not I'm not having a I'm not having as good a time. I can't even focus properly on my show because I want that dopamine released from my phone. What if something's going on? Why didn't I check? And it's like, like night like my life is not that exciting. Like nothing's even happening on my phone. I like, let's be real. But it's 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 that, it's that addiction to that sort of like dopamine. We can't just sit still and focus on one thing, you know? Look how many people check their phone in the middle of like a movie, and you're like, yeah. oh, okay. Like, if I see that light flash. Oh. I know, but like, yeah, I haven't sung that low yet. But I think it's just a constant rather than like, oh, but I love my phone. It's like, no, no, we all do. But it's just trying to kind of get some boundaries so that our minds can slow down or we practice some deep breathing or we go for a walk or something like that rather than just being in that high-paced, you know, your hit class, your diet, your high-stress job, your rushing to brunch and lunch and everything else on the weekend lifestyle.
0: Yeah, which also, like you said, you're happy about doing those things, mm. but your
2: body's like, oh, I cannot keep up. Yeah. Yeah, just we're not built. Like we're just not, yeah, we need a little recharge. You know, you yeah. see all those little um, Instagram, not that we're looking at our phones, <laughs> um, things you know, where it says like if, you're, if you were like your phone, I don't know, getting it wrong, but, you know, has like the battery empty sign. Yeah. Like if you had that and you actually just you recharged, recharged properly mm-hmm. – you know, we just, yeah. And our body has all these warning signs. We just don't listen to them. Mm. If you had your car on and it had the petrol light on, you quickly get to the petrol station. If you see like the, the oil light, you quickly go and get like a service or whatever, but we're not listening to the signs. We're not seeing those lights come on that say, you know, headache. What does that mean? Like my skin's breaking out. What does that mean? I'm bloated every day. What does that mean? What's my body trying to tell me yeah. before a problem comes? Because mm. our phones, it's like need a, need a, need a software update, need – you know, batteries need to be plugged into the to and the we're battery. we like, we've got you. Yeah, 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 exactly. We're like, it's okay, phone. It's okay, car. I'll look after you. Yeah. But for us, I'm like, yeah, I don't care. Like, so what? I'm a bit bloated. Mm. Yeah, my hair's falling out. Mm. Actually, no. Everybody, everybody comes when their hair falls out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm stressed. I can't sleep. Yeah. Nobody sleeps. Yeah, you know. Yeah. I have a period pain. Oh, all my friends have period pain. Yeah. You know, like just yeah. Listen to your body. It's your friend. Mm. Well. All right
0: let's uh let's wrap we've got a couple of things what's one thing you want every woman to know
2: um I I would say going back to what I kind of touched on before about the diet stuff is you you don't have to be perfect like that's not what we're going for here you know you just want to kind of um be looking after your health most of the time and that that is healthy so, you know, like don't, don't, you don't have to go down to all the extreme fads of this and that and wellness this and powdered this mm. and whatever, just, just eat fresh whole foods, drink your water, get your sleep, you know, try to slow down. Like that's what you need to do. I promise you it'll make a bigger difference. Old school. Kicking it old school. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not, it doesn't really sell many things. It's not that exciting. You know, it's not really a fad that, you know, I'm going to sell you. It's just how it is. Yeah proven yeah
1: and then do you have like a favorite recipe or um like a a tea that you always yeah I'm not gonna
2: say the chia puddings anymore am I no (laughs) um I would say no there I would say probably my favorite recipe is from um the healthy hormones book which is the fish cakes um Mm. I have failed fish cakes time like I've got kids so I've tried fish cakes um Failed them time and time again. The rest, this recipe is great because it's cheap. We all like cheap, <laughs> um, so it uses the tinned salmon with the bones, so you get heaps Ooh. of calcium. Really good for amenorrhea. Um, it's got some quinoa in there as well for a little bit of a little bit of carb, but not very much. Holds them together. Sweet potato, really good source of protein, really good source of calcium, um, good source of fiber. Um, it's yeah, it's, it's actually really yummy, and they stay together. You can even take them for lunch the next day to work. They do yeah, sound good. Yeah. Yeah. And the other teas, like teas, there's two teas that I love the most. So spearmint tea has been shown to reduce excess testosterone. So if you've got acne, PCOS, a couple of cups of spearmint tea a day. And for most other people, like nettle leaf tea. Tastes like nothing, bit of grass, like but not yucky grass, like green tea grass, just whatever. Um, really good for fluid retention, lots of trace nutrients and minerals, great for your liver. Um, so, yeah, get, in, get into that one. I like that amazing. All, All right. right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.